Hi, this is Nayara with The Help Show. So we have another treat for you guys. The audience has chosen Baby Got Back, Is It Love or Lust? One of our many funny favorite episodes that we really enjoyed recording. Um, we had Vaughn Eaglin, which he was a licensed therapist, um, interview and, you know, teach the audience about the difference between love and lust and um and sex and then also we had DJ ASAP which he is um, an amazing icon DJ um, this worldwide international so we had those two guys kind of break it down for us for that episode so I hope you guys um, enjoy when we put together the best of the help show with you guys and enjoy thanks for listening Are you tired of that boss? Are you fed up with that bully? Are you annoyed with your mama? Well, you know what, guys? Check out the anger room on 3014 Cumbers. If you want to take your anger out, if you want to throw some plates, if you want to jump on some desks, if you want to write on some walls, graffiti on the walls, if, if you want to just take the frustration of sometimes the day-to-day life, that if you actually do what you really feel you want to do, you might be incarcerated, <laughs> go to the angle room. Again, that's 3014 Cumber Street. To make an appointment today, it's one 844 i get mad And tell me how you sit Hi, this is Nayetta. Hi, this is Dave. And welcome to The, the Help, Help Show. Hello, and welcome back. Thank you for tuning in for our sixth episode in our February four-part series, Baby Got Back, Is It Love or Lust? Today, we have Von Eaglin, Licensed Professional Counselor, Supervisor, and Master of Education discussing the definition of sex and explaining scientifically the emotions we feel when we are in love or lust. Hi, this is Nayetta. This is Dave. And we are with Von Eaglin, licensed professional counselor and supervisor. Um, he's a senior clinician at two group practices um, in the DFW area. So, uh, Mr., can I call you Von or do I call you Eaglin? Or Von. What? Von is fine. Von is fine? Okay. Um, Von, question. How long have you been a therapist? I've been a therapist about nine years. And so I'm working on my PhD right now. I'm on the back end of that. And uh, so I'm what's called a doctoral candidate. And so I've been licensed for about nine years. But I went back to uh, receive my PhD and I'm about to finish that. So. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Almost ABD, right? Yep, you got it. All so, but dissertation. Exactly. I was working on that actually earlier today. So All yeah. right. Um, so... First of all, thank you so much for meeting with us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank mm-hmm. you, thank you. Yeah. Because uh, we understand uh, we're both kind of in the field. I'm in social work, so we understand how time management works. And we yes. really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so, so much. Um, so sorry about that. Why, should, why, should someone, why should someone see someone who specializes in sex therapy and of counseling? Well, sex therapy is it's, um, it's something that's needed. Uh, because sexual dysfunction is more common than you would think. Um, it's not a slam dunk. Whenever people, uh, I guess, uh, get together and they uh, tend to um, 
back up. Whenever they get together, they tend to believe that, you know, if this person is my best friend or what, quote unquote, my soulmate, they tend to think that sex, like I said, is a slam dunk. But the truth of the matter is, is that's something that you really have to work on for a long period of time in order for it to be good and uh, in a way that's uh, uh, healthy. So, okay. All right. So, this is a question that I think everyone wants to know. Is sex addiction real? Uh, the short answer is yes. Um, when we talk about sex addiction, so there are different types of addiction. And so you have uh, like actual addiction, which is like, let's say if you're it's an alcoholic or someone is addicted to cocaine, they're actually ingesting an actual substance that changes the physiological process in their body. But sex addiction, kind of like gambling and like uh, pornography, um, so there's a component, uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's a process addiction because you have different types of sex addictions actually, um, but it's really related to a certain chemical called dopamine. It's actually a... a, a, a Makes you feel good, right? Yeah, you yeah, got yeah. it. So dopamine in and of itself is something that uh, is within the brain, okay? It's a neurotransmitter within the brain. And whenever someone has a sex addiction, what happens is, or any addiction uh, in, uh, for, that, for, for, for that fact, is that the dopamine is released and then they get addicted to the dopamine. I liken it to uh, kind of like a dog trail. Um, if you have a dog that lives uh, outside the house, every time you call Fido to the back door, okay. it goes through the yard. And anytime that dog goes back and forth to the dog house, the grass actually um, becomes a little bit more worn down. So anytime somebody is going down back and forth that path, then again, uh, they get addicted to um, that, that particular type of uh, pleasure. For instance, if I have a client that comes in and they have a porn addiction, okay. then they actually looking at pornography in their mind registers um, over time that this is what actually turns me on so they get addicted to that specific type of uh, sensation or pleasure and so sometimes they uh, you know get to the point where they may not even be attracted to a woman um, because they're used to you know masturbating and looking mm. at porn that much oh. so um, so it can be progressive as well so but sex addiction is a very real addiction so mm. and so when we were talking um, yesterday and we were talking about, we said dopamine. Right. And we were, and our title is sex, is it love or lust? Right. And it was saying that dopamine is in love. Like, you can uh -huh. be addicted to love. Just okay. like, is it is it the same thing? You can be um, addicted to lust. Are those okay. two the same as sex addiction? And does... Does love and lust turn into a sex addiction? Well, let me let me just kind of back up because there are different types of sex. So okay. you have what's called impersonal sex, and then you have personal sex. Now, okay. so whenever you have impersonal, well, let me, whenever you're in a state of lust, okay. what psychologists refer to that is that is being a state is, is a state of limerence. Okay? okay, limerence is whenever you do things that would be normally out of character. Um, you may make a decision based on your affinity for this person, but it may not be uh, in your best interest because you are, you know, uh, in this love state, this in love mode. Um, so um, with personal sex and impersonal sex, um, whenever you have sex with somebody, you have certain chemicals that get released. Remember I mentioned dopamine, you also have norepinephrine. Okay, whenever you have an orgasm with somebody, you also release two hormones. One is called oxytocin, the other one is called vasopressin. So a lot of times if you're having sex with somebody and um, you have an orgasm with them, then you feel really close to that person because your body has released this hormone called oxytocin. Okay. And so with personal sex, you're going to really be releasing all of those things. But impersonal sex, a lot of times, um, it's, uh, it's not sex that is... Um, is sex with uh, a tinge of like self gratification. It's almost like uh, masturbation with your partner. In and of, in, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because you're having sex, but 
it's not this loving connection where there's this friendship and there's this time invested into a relationship where there's this deep authenticity. Now, sex, there's a lot of components to sex. So when we talk about sex, you have like, um, you know, foreplay, okay. eroticism, a sensuality. Um, I mean, there are all these different components. However, whenever you're having impersonal sex, the, that personal connection, that deep, authentic personal connection is typically not there. Does right. that make sense? Right, mm-hmm. right. So it's like, you, you know, you have a spirituality with that person. So Correct. that's what makes it deep. Correct. And then the friendship makes it deep so even though it's like sex with someone else another right. person mm-hmm. it's almost still like self-gratification like you said yeah. almost like sex with self right you're just right. using that other person you, as a tool you, you, yeah, you, to reach that sex with self exactly oh. the, per, the person is typically a little, bit, little more obje- objectified and i'm just using them as a vessel to kind of get off selfish yeah oh so, yeah yes yeah okay. very yeah. selfish yeah. okay mm-hmm. that's so, the way the breeze <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah all right so over your nine years, what are some of the, uh, you know, generically speaking, of course, within the realm of confidentially and whatever, broadly speaking, what are some of the weirdest things you've seen or, or heard um, within the sex therapy realm? Well, um, as a counselor, what happens is, is that because I get exposed to so many things that right. some things become a little bit more, uh, that, that may be weird to other people, but they're kind of common to me and because I've become desensitized to it. Uh, exposure. Um, exactly. So, uh, so, I mean, I've had everything from clients, both male and female, try to proposition me. Uh, I've had... Um, uh, I mean, I've That's had, bad business. Well, I've, How did I've you respond business. to these? Well, well, <laughs> ethically, ethically, I don't want to lose my license, okay. you know. And, and I don't think my wife would care too kindly for that either. But, uh, but uh, so I've had, uh, besides that, I've had uh, people come in with uh, difficulty with their, uh, and when we talk about sexuality, so it's a scale as well. So figuring out whether they are uh, homophobic. I've had people who are trying to figure out whether they are heterosexual or homosexual or something in between, like they're like going through the sexual identity process. I've had clients come in with kinks and fetishes and mm-hmm. different things like that. So when we talk about the kink world, um, that's a whole different like population Absolutely. in and of itself. You know, going down to dungeons and you know doing you know being a sadist or being you know uh, you know a masochist and different things like that. Um, one of the weirdest, I would say, one of the weirdest, and this was not actually a client, but. Um, I was actually on uh, going through my graduate program in college, and I was a supervisor over a dormitory. And I would have residents come up to me uh, about this one resident who was uh, asking them to look at their feet. He would say, "Hey, I'm a biology major, and I, you know, I'm studying oh, to be a, podi- a podiatrist, and I'm doing drawings of the feet, and I need to understand how the foot actually works." And so, uh, this one guy, he came into my office. He said, "Yeah." So the guy asked me to draw a picture of my feet. So I came in, I took my shoe off, and the guy would ask me to wiggle my toes. Oh. <laughs> and so, and as I was wiggling my toes, I got on my phone. And I started playing around, and, and the guy was sitting across from me, you know, looking at my feet, uh-huh. and I was wiggling my toes, but then my foot got tired, and I looked up, and the guy was actually he positioned sideways, touching oh. himself. <gasps> and so, um, so yeah, that was probably one of the weird stories. <laughs> I mean, That's a little awkward. Yeah, he had a, well, the guy had a foot fetish, you okay. know, and so... Just you know, wiggle that little toe out. Yeah, I just, I just <laughs> wiggle. Man, if, you see, if I see your pinky toe, it just doesn't work, you know. So I don't know, but uh, but yeah. So the people can develop different types of fetishes depending on you know what they expose themselves to, and yeah. So. Within my own grad school research that I've completed, I did a few papers within the, the sex and, and fetish world, and I also know that, or, or correct me if I'm you're the you're the license here. I'm not yet, 
but you also got to do what's normal to them. So when you're talking about someone who has a fetish and stuff like mm-hmm. that, their normal is not the same as someone else's normal who lost right. their virginity to each other when they right. got married and right. stuff like that, right. possibly. Right, right. And so you, I know you also, you have to kind of acknowledge that and, and not let them know that they're not um, unnormal, right, or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Acknowledge that. I guess almost acknowledge that it's okay, affirmation. So so with every client that comes in, you know, unconditional positive regard is probably, or empathy, right. um, as, uh, as Rogers, you know, Carl Rogers would say, mm-hmm. is probably one of the most powerful tools that you can ever give a client. And so helping them uh, understand that uh, they're accepted fully for who they are is probably one of the most powerful counseling tools there is out there. Um, so now within the realm of like different fetishes, what and because pornography really is the game changer, um, when, because you know, I call it three A's. That pornography is easily, you know, it's affordable. Right. There's anonymity. Um, and I forgot the third. Accessible. 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 Yeah. Accessibility. Exactly. So, yeah. For instance, like uh, I've had clients that come in. Let's say if they have uh, a porn addiction, um, they may go, uh, you know, uh, go in the bathroom, you know, with their cell phone, huh. you know, and rub one out right before they come to counseling. Literally. Are you, you know, serious? Yeah. Because gives them that sense of ease. Because, because oh, again, wow. it's the three A's right there. Because yeah. you don't, you know, all you have to do is be in the bathroom stall with your cell phone and. Um, and then you can have a moment. <laughs> so, um, so when I say pornography is the game changer, you have people who are younger and younger being exposed to it. Mm. And so, kids, in this day and exactly. Age. So you have kids as young as five and six years old who are looking at pornography, and it's changing the psychosexual development of those children because, again, like I said, whenever you're looking at that, you're actually etching something in your mind. You're burning. You're burning a neural synapse in your mind. Oh, in, wow. in addictions mm-hmm. world, we call we say if it fires, it wires, and so. Huh. Whatever you're looking at, whenever you get that stimulation, again, those kids are now changing the like their psychosexual development. And um, you know, my wife and I did a sex talk to um, to some uh, middle school kids, right. and we mentioned that, oh yeah, was, you know, this person was pregnant when we were this age, but they look like, oh yeah, that's pretty normal, that's pretty common. And so uh, I'm seeing all kind of different types of sexual like dysfunctions and difficulties. You see men. Who are in the 30s now? They're taking Viagra. Right. Um, you see uh, girls who are getting abortions. That's a normal. Right. Yeah, men, yeah, yeah. 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 men oh. who are now younger, they're using sexual enhancement products uh, more often, um, and it's not just for the guys who are 50 and 60 and you know and 70 years old using Viagra. Um, but is it because they need it, or is it for an extra for performance? Confidence probably. Performance. It's, for, right. it's for a combination of things, you know, right. because guys, you know, guys, men tend to define themselves by three different things. I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but men tend to define themselves by one. Uh, is athleticism. Right. The second thing is their economic, uh, I guess, uh, advancement in the world. And the third thing is typically their sexual conquest. Um, but that's how society typically um, tells men to, you know, uh, you know, gather what they gather their identity from. And so the sexual conquest piece, if they don't feel like they're dominant in the bedroom or if they're looking at pornography and they're supposed to, you know, some, you know you're looking at actors a lot of times, you know, yeah. um, whenever you're looking at pornography and they say, well, I need to replicate this because this is what a woman's supposed to sound like. This is what my, <laughs> this is the size my penis is supposed to be. This is so on and so forth. So they're using these things, but all of this is in an effort to kind of, you know, uh, assure themselves, you know, uh, work on their self-esteem, their self-confidence, and, you know, try to figure out what their identity is. Okay. Adverse effect, too. You watch yeah. a lot of porn, you're going to get the wrong idea what it, what, you're, right. what you're supposed to be like as a man, and exactly. that's not the, exactly. the normalities of things. Exactly. exactly. And then women, they tend to follow what men do. And right. so if a man wants this, then you'll find that women are actually starting to look at more porn now because they say, they're looking at porn because they hmm. say, this is what men want, so this is what I need oh. to do. Or they're going to strip clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah. going to strip 
strip clubs and seeing what the girls are doing on the pole so they can, you know, mm-hmm. emulate that position or emulate that movement. fantasy or right. movement yeah, that right. a man is lusting, you know, what they're looking. They're trying looking to catch. They yeah. try, hey, it's your, hey, hey, <laughs> so, climb up, slide down, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, so, I think that's good effort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to maximize the climb up, though, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, ah, oh, man, I need to lose 10 pounds so I climb this pole. <laughs> But okay, all right. So, so with that being said, with the women, um, I was reading. I think I was we were we were reading we were reading this. Uh, I think I was, it's called Life dot org, uh-huh. and it was saying that sixty eight percent of women under twenty five encounter problems reaching orgasms. The question I want to know why. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Well, I can't necessarily uh, vouch for that statistic. I would need to go back and look at it. But okay. um, you know, different. There are different types of orgasms. You know, yes. you have a clitoral orgasm, then you have orgasm with your partner, where there's vaginal penetration. Okay. And so, um, you know, so what statistic are they quoting um, when they talk about orgasm? Because you have some women who, um, let's say, they're using a vibrator. Okay. Um, and I kind of like it. Well, uh, I'll talk about that perhaps a little bit later. But okay. um, if you're using a vibrator and you're having a clitoral orgasm, mm-hmm. and then but the, then you say I can't have an orgasm with my partner. Well, those are two different types of orgasms. But mm-hmm. the thing about women is that, and a lot of men really don't understand this, is that for a woman, their biggest sexual organ is their mind. And yeah. so, and because mm. if, if you can't stimulate their mind, then you're going to have much more difficulty, you know, stimulating the body. Yeah. I always say, you know, uh, I can't, it was in Vogue that had some kind of song or something, but I say, stimulate the mind, the rest will follow. <laughs> there you go, you that's got my it. quote. So, <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. got it, man. That's, that's your you got it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are you married, David? Andrew? No, I'm no. not. Man. Okay, all right. Mm-mm. You're on your way, though, brother. Y'all. <laughs> Hopefully so. I, I've met some interesting people lately. <laughs> so now we're going to go on the true and false, okay. um, Vaughn. And if you answer it false, we want to know why. And if you answer it true, then we know why. But kind of let us know, you know, why is it false or why is it true? Okay. So. Is it true that if you don't touch your clitoris at all as a woman, your body will absorb your clitoris and you will lose your clitoris forever? Well, uh, (laughs) kind of goes away. Okay, well. Uh, I'm not a medical professional. Use it or lose it. Okay, use yeah. it or lose it. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I don't want to, again, because I'm not a medical professional, I, I don't necessarily feel Understood. qualified to speak on that. But I, but from my personal opinion, no, that is not the case. That is not the I, case. No, that is not the case. So that's that a myth, false. probably. Yeah. That's yeah, a myth. That would, okay. That would be a myth. So. True or false? Is it true for a woman if you don't have sex for a long time, you will grow your hymen back? Um, again, I'm not a medical professional, <laughs> so uh, I'm trying but, to get him to like. But to my knowledge, yeah, you're pigeonholing me here. I got, I got either yes or no over here, and so, but uh, the answer to that will probably, most likely, almost definitely, be no. So, um, because the thing about it is that the hymen, because women sometimes even lose their hymen before they even have sex. Absolutely. Um, and there are different even types of hymen. You know, yes. some that are round and they have like medical terms for this. Some that are perforated. Mm-hmm. You know, like small holes in it, and then some that cover the whole vaginal uh, uh, opening. Um, like a shield. Yeah, pretty much. Like I, I'm not getting through. Yeah. You know, where's my knife at? So I'm gonna cut this. No, I'm joking. Don't do that. Don't do that. So uh, and so, but in fact, there are. Why would there be medical procedures now where people try to re-virginize themselves? Mm-hmm. You know, by I'm gonna you know have a medical procedure so I can put my hymen back in place. There, you know, there. I think there was one case that I can think of. I, mean, I think it was a Taiwanese woman that actually grew her hymen back. But I mean, out of millions and billions of women. 
you know, that's just very, it's highly unlikely. So, but, but again, you know, some women lose it because they play sports or let's say if you ride horses all the time right. or different things like that, you can actually lose your hymen uh, before you even have sex. We got a few minutes. I, I want to just throw a sidebar on that. When okay. I, I, had, I taught eighth grade sex education here in okay. Texas just a couple years ago. And, um, you told um, me about that. Right. And so one of the things is I was going through that program. We talked about the hymen a lot and everything. And, right. um, uh, Back in the day, kings and queens in Europe right. and in the Middle East, Arabic world, and that stuff like that, if they got a wife that was going to be their queen who did not uh, pop her virginity, she right. was killed. Right. So right. if the king had sex with her right. and her hamlet wasn't lost, her cherry wasn't popped or whatever, right. she was killed. This right. was common practice. I mean, hundreds, if not thousands of women were killed. Right. And it doesn't mean that she didn't have it. It's just, you know, right. they didn't medically have this knowledge. Yet, right. You You're know, right. You're right. That, or... He just wasn't able to. Right. Well, whenever you talk about uh, back in the day, because monogamy in and of itself was not created. Um, well, I'll say it like this. When we talk about uh, sex in the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. sex was used, and even, you know, bearing children, sex was used to, uh, and, and bearing children was used to, like, uh, for to better society, right? You know, because I have to have this many kids in order to work on the farm. You right. know, we're talking about finances, life you know, sustainment, life right. sustainment. Yes. So there's a there's a there's a big utility function, an economic utility function to sex. Mm-hmm. And so if you have popped your cherry, then how can I be sure that the kids that I father are going to be mine? Yeah. And how can I be be assured that this bloodline is accurate? And so I can understand that from the Middle Ages, but again, they didn't have the knowledge that we have now right. that you can actually lose it. So if you're a woman, I guess you don't need to move around. <laughs> just that, that was an whenever, interesting yeah, whenever, point. I learned that yeah. doing, you know, in, in right. Texas. Right. But the same yeah. thing that you're talking mm-hmm. about, what well, you learned in your class, we learned it in my um, my class last semester, how in Ethiopia they sold the woman's hymen up. Wow. And when they married her, then they used a dirty knife and cut her hymen open. Wow, okay. Yeah, I know that All hurts. Right. So, yeah. yeah, so in certain... I just don't need a visual on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a woman on but, that. Okay. Yeah, but we learned that in class, and I, I didn't even know that existed, but yeah. it, it still exists today. They, yeah. you know, they're trying to stop that in Ethiopia. Right, right. But, um... <laughs> Women's hey, rights. I, I, I said that. And th- these guys' faces are like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yeah, man. I'm, like I said, I'm glad I'm a guy on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. So, um, is it true that a woman can break her clitoris by using her vibrator? Um, I would. I don't know. Or using it too much. I know the word break depends on what the definition of okay. break, break is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, hmm. That is an interesting question. Uh, when you say break. Uh, well, can we substitute can damage? So okay, can we substitute damage? Are you, you guys are from Texas. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. You ever been in the Basically. country and you see one of those big oil pumps kind of going up and down? Yeah, oh, there. Yes. Yeah, oh, there. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. All right. Now imagine that's your partner. Okay. Who's going up and down on you? Okay. Now picture a a jackhammer. Oh, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> on your clitoris, which would be a vibrator. Being a jackhammer right, exactly. is never a good comment exactly. for sex. <laughs> and so, and so, you, so, you have the oil, Derek, that's going up and down slowly, which may be your partner, you know, going in and out. But mm. then if you put a jackhammer on it, what happens is, is that, you know, Ooh, the, the nerves, the nerves, what you can do is desensitize the nerves. On okay. It. And so, when we're talking about breaking the clitoris, um, eventually, usually the blood comes back and, you know, and it stops being numb. But what you can do is that, you know, you use a vibrator so much that you de- de- desensitize the nerve endings on your clitoris. Huh. Um, some of that, I would think, 
possibly can be permanent. But again, I'm not a medical professional. You would need to seek some help but, on that. But if you get used to that type, type of jackhammer stimulation, okay. you know what I mean? So yeah. you know, I get then, two, then it's like, how am I going to be pleased by my partner who is this oil there? I, yeah. I, I, get, I get two things out of what you just All right, said. You, All right. You're too much of a good thing can't yeah. be a bad thing. Right. Right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. within That's within anything. anything. And, and two, yeah. since we mentioned that we are here in Texas and everything's bigger and better in Texas, <laughs> be sure that you're not running a vibrator or a six toy that's running on diesel fuel. <laughs> diesel fuel. That's just going to be a little too much. No vibrators on diesel fuel. Man, smoke coming from the bedroom. To me, that doesn't sound like a bad idea. I'm just saying. Too much of a bad thing. You know, sometimes I might say what happened. If I hear something that sounds like a chainsaw, I am out the door. I'm gone. I'm not the one to do it. Chainsaw noises for me. We ears. Yeah. Okay. You guys are hilarious. Is it true that if men masturbate too often, meaning like three to four times a day, they can eventually blow out a vessel in their penis? So I know that you're not a like um, a doctor right. that right. way, but. Uh, well, to my knowledge, no. To your knowledge. To my knowledge, I, I think that would be a false statement. But, you know, I mean, men masturbate differently, to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, some guys uh, like it raw, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, some guys use lubrication. Um, ODB. Yeah. That, that that's right. Right. Oh, baby, I like it raw. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it, David. So like you had 16 kids. You're right. You're right. Um, but, you know, if uh, you can, I mean... If you're if you're if you're not using lubrication and you are uh, let's say you rub I mean I guess you have four different orgasms what you can do is make the I'm guessing you could uh, you know uh, you know inflame it you know and there can be sensitivity with the skin and different things like that but in terms of actually like busting a blood vessel like if you do like the medical research on how that penis actually works and how it actually inflates so it's to speak, a complicated right. piece of, it's a complicated tool it is it huh. is it is in turn because it's a different type of muscle tissue okay. you know and whenever it becomes engorged with blood right. um you know because uh, guys are using different things like some guys use uh pumps right um to uh make their penis bigger and different things now if you're using a pump where it's like the suction of it do those uh, things really work um from what i understand extended use of a pump can enlarge a man mm-hmm. and so and then some guys who have ed you thought their reebok shoes did you some good so, back in the day so but again i'm not i, I, I don't know because uh, right. it's kind of like a muscle and then okay. as you continue to use it you can you, you know pump, enlarge pump it, it but again there is and i think that's over an extended period of time like you might gain an inch or two over two hey, years or something hey, you know hey. but that's a difference maker you know so well it depends on who your partner is you yeah. know and uh, if you've been with a woman that has been with a lot of guys, you know, you may be in competition. But if you're with a woman who's, if you know, for instance, my wife was a virgin um, oh, wow. when, we, when we married. And so, you know, so that was, you know, like penis size was never an issue where she's comparing different things. Right. Um, Lucky you, man. Yeah, Congratulations. You know, so, um, so. So, uh, I mean, masturbation, uh, you know, multiple times, from what I understand, I mean, you, you can make it a little raw, but I don't think you're going to bust a blood vessel. But if you're using, like, a, a pump and, you, and you know, and it's, there's suction on it and you're leaving it on for 30 minutes or an hour or something like that, yeah, you can injure yourself. So. so, is it true that you can have too much sex? Uh, kind of touching on that with masturbation a little okay. bit somewhat on both well, sides, but actual hmm. sex. Well, too much sex, I guess, is relative. We said it a little bit earlier that too much of anything could possibly be bad. And, like, if someone has an actual sex addiction, when we talk about addiction, there are, there are different stages of addiction. So the first stage is, okay, this feels good. The second stage, I'm just kind of dumbing this down. The the, the second stage is, okay, I'm, I'm starting to really enjoy this. The third stage is I'm planning my day around this activity. Um, for instance, if I'm an 
not, if I'm an alcoholic, then, oh, I can't wait till 5 p.m. so I can get that drink. You know, now in the fourth stage of addiction, that becomes your new normal. So someone who is an addict, let's say someone has alcohol, um, is, a, is an alcoholic, when they wake up, they're trying to get back to their normal, which means that I need to have a drink. They have what's right. called an eye opener. You know, throughout, throughout the day, they're gonna be having a drink because I need to be in this state of what they believe is being normal. And so when we talk about a sex addiction, it's a, you know, although there's a dopamine component, it would be, or even porn addiction, that would be more of a process addiction that, you know, too much of anything can be bad because if that's starting to disrupt your daily life, like I'm going to go have sex instead of going to pay my bills. I'm going to go have sex instead of going to work. I'm going to go have sex and, you know, I'm going to go to the strip club. I'm right. going to go call, do this call girl or, um, or I'm going to, you know, visit this uh, certain, you know, store so I can, you know, pick up some pornography or a magazine, right. you know, um, like too much of anything can be bad and it can be extremely disruptive um, to the normal flow of life. So basically you're saying if you're having sex to live life, that might be okay. That, that, but if you're, but if you're living life to have sex, that's not that's okay. Not okay. Right, that's right, not okay at all. Right. Correct, so if correct. you have a healthy relationship, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're in a monotonous, whatever, you, to no. you too, that's a healthy emotional, physical relationship. Gotcha. And you're having a lot of sex. Right. right. It's so. not, probably not no harm in that. Well, I would say, well, I'll, here's the here's Between issue. the two people. Between the two people, there needs to be, and not, not an agreement, but they need to have an understanding. If one person has a high sex drive and the other person doesn't, right. then they're going to need to talk about that. And then, you know, because in the beginning, the, exactly, because there could be uh, a lot of difficulty that comes from that. If one person is used to you know, a lot of conflict that results because one person uh, wants it so much and the other person does not. Kind of like Holly Berry and uh, Eric Benet. Well, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, that is a, that is a that is a good example. Yeah. Why, you know, so Eric, he was the one that was on more sex. Yeah, you know? and she probably if was I like, had Holly Berry, I would too. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, come on, I'm, girl. I'm just saying. Yeah. And she uh, might not have a you know, high sex drive. We what, don't know. Well here's, the, well, here's the thing too, though, you know, is that whenever uh, a woman can have sex and not be aroused, whereas a man, you know, it's very apparent if a man is not aroused. Right. You know, it's like, oh, because he's mm. not getting up. And yeah. so, but, you know, for a woman, though, they can go have sex and all you need is a lubricant. And so, you know, so, she's just there. Yeah, and she's just there. You know, just being saying. yeah, being a vessel for True. that for that yeah. guy. And so, um, again, um, you know, couples need to discuss sex because whenever I do couple therapy, because uh, couples uh, therapy and relationship therapy is one of my uh, areas of expertise, is that um, so. With that said, they they need to really have a lot of understanding. Right. And they need to talk about sex extensively. Sometimes they don't know the, what questions to ask about sex. But um, I'm a Gottman, well, I'm not a Gottman certified ther a therapist, but I'm um, certified in level three of Gottman method couple therapy. Oh. And so one of those things that we talk about is what we call love maps, having a deep inner awareness of your partner. And But your partner has what we call a sexual love map. Mm -hmm. And so there are all these questions that you can ask about, for instance, about foreplay, right. about orgasm, right. about anal sex, about uh, oral sex, about, or uh, I mean, uh, even about your partner's body. For instance, if I were to ask my, my partner an open-ended question, how do you feel about your body? Hmm. Is there a part of your body that, um, that you're embarrassed about? Um, is it important for you to have an orgasm every time we have sex? Um, is it important that I finish to you? You know, because yeah. for you, you know, like there are all these questions that you mm -hmm. need to ask your partner 
um, so you can understand their sexual love map. Because, you know, some partners, like I, I had a couple come into my office one time and they were into a, what's called a female-led relationship. Okay. Okay. And so in the kink world, uh, what happens is that the man becomes submissive. You know, he may okay. wear like mm. a chastity belt or something like that where you can't have sex until the woman releases you or something like that, you know. But his wife was not into that at all uh, because uh, she she felt that, you know, if you're, I, I want a man. Yeah. <laughs> she and, didn't want a man that wanted to be owned. Right. You know, <laughs> but, you know, but in the kink world, they see it as an honor as because... A, yeah. This guy's this guy is man enough to become submissive to you right. to where you can, you know, have it your way, so to speak. But, you know, to her, she was not raised like that. She didn't have any type of sexual fetish fetish for the kink world at all. I do right. not want to strap, you know, I do not want to, you know, lock my husband up in a chastity belt right. or, you know, strap him down and have my way with him. You know, I want a man who's a little more assertive right. or aggressive Aggr- with sex. Yes, right. And uh, eventually that led to them getting divorced. divorced. Yeah, right. You know, so. But, you know, a lot of men, it's that... You have to become selfless. And I'm not saying all men are selfish, but you have to be selfless. This is your opinion, I guess. That's my, I'm, this okay. is my opinion. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> really, Vaughn? Yeah. That's your opinion. Because if you want... Selfless. Selfless. You're talking about personal sex. Like, personal, impersonal sex. Most definitely. I know, right. I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking for me. I don't want impersonal sex all the time. I want some right. personal sex. I right. want you to mentally, right. before you get to this physically. And right. then it's, it's a connection. Uh-huh. So, with that being said, so many people... I'm not... I can't speak for everybody, but being selfless is like a task. It's like it's hard because it seems like the man wants to have an orgasm first. He wants to get his first and then come back to you. Secondly. Well, uh, you know, my personal opinion, I think this goes deeper than just sex because we live in a society that, I mean, even the millennial generation is being called, you know, very self-centered and narcissistic. Everything you see is a selfie or a Snapchat image of themselves. And so, um, you know, we live in a society where self is promoted. You know, like uh, like I'm all about promoting myself, and so whenever you look at whenever that comes into the realm of sex, is it sometimes becomes all about me as well, and so, um, you know, learning how to open up and share um, takes uh, a great deal of vulnerability, right. and it also takes a risk. Um, so because if I'm going to put myself out there, then I need to be accepted for who I am. Affir- um, affirmation. Affirmation. You got right. it. And so uh, I need to be affirmed. I need to be validated. Right. Um, and w- uh, because when I don't receive that and I get rejected, that can be, tr- I mean, it can be literally trauma to your identity, trauma to yourself, trauma to your ego. Your ego is who I think I am. Right. And so um, because uh, if you're putting your identity in this, uh, in let's say, let's say your identity is wrapped up in sex. Okay. Well, if you don't have good sex, then who you think you are just just now was just shattered. Right. Does that make sense? It, it makes sense. And it so, sense. And so um, I mean, it's, I think it's a layered issue when we talk about learning how to be selfless because it takes someone who is uh, mature. It takes someone who uh, is willing to take a risk. It takes someone who is willing to be vulnerable. It takes someone who uh, has the esteem to let it not be about themselves. Right. Uh, it takes a certain degree of humility. Right. Um, and, I mean, uh, in learning how to share. But, again, uh, really strong relationships, they begin with friendship. And so whenever you have that friendship um, and a strong friendship, then uh, a lot of times that can turn into good sex as well. So, so I have, <clears throat> so we have a couple letters from our listeners, okay? Or two short ones. So this first letter, this is good, Vaughn. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. So, it's, so the letter says, Dear The Help Show, I have a friend that I'm extremely worried about. We live together and she is constantly bringing different men in and out of our apartment. And we're and having sex with them. 
Look, I'm not judging because we are all adults, but when I'm seeing four to six different men a week, I think she has a problem. The question I have been pondering for four months now is she a sex addict? And second, what can I do to slow up all the traffic in and out of our apartment? I feel like our home is a brothel. Okay. Sincerely, all right. brothel house. Brothel house. <laughs> brothel house. Wow. Now, so if I understand you, these are different men that are coming home. Yes, she says different time. men. So these are not the same men. Okay. She said these are different men that are, this is, you know, coming in and out their apartment. Okay. All right. Well, again, I'm not one to judge that that. You know the person who's bringing home these different guys. Um, I would hope that she's honestly being safe because uh, a lot of people aren't even educated on STDs. And right. you know, I have I had a young, you know, a teenager come in. He said, "Well, I didn't know you can get herpes through oral sex." Or like, I, what? and I was like, "Yeah, if she has an open lesion on her on her on her, on her mouth, right. you know, then you can actually get genital herpes." Right. And I, again, some people aren't educated, so hopefully she's being safe whenever she's doing that. But um, is she a sex addict? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know if she's, uh, like I said, with those stages of addiction, I don't know if she's planning her day around that um, or if she's just meeting these guys randomly and, you know, offering it to them. And then, you know, she has a certain time where, hey, this is why I get down, and, you know, with these guys from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. every oh. night. Um, <laughs> okay. So uh, I would suggest, what I would suggest for the person is that if she's really concerned about her roommate, you may want to have a talk with her, okay. uh, confront her in a loving way uh, with a lot of tact and discretion, right. you know, like, uh, hey, I'm concerned about you, ask a lot of open-ended questions. You know what, um, I noticed that this is going on. Help me to understand, right. um, you know. Uh, what can I know, do? What can I do? How, is this is this pretty typical for you? Like I need to understand because so I can you know so I know how to monitor myself, you know. Because I don't. I'm trying to understand. Is it discomfort with the? Is it is she appalled and disgusted that the girl is doing this? Like from a value standpoint, okay. or is it the fact that you actually have random strangers in your house? You right. know because I mean some of these guys can be small or big or they can look intimidating. I don't know what kind of guy she's getting. Right. You know you know because you have these random guys coming in your house you know I mean I would feel uncomfortable with strangers coming in my house all the time me too as a man I'd yeah. be uncomfortable right you know what I mean so she may want to go uh, ahead and get a license to pack a gun and everything <laughs> okay. but, okay. but um but again I'm not quite sure what uh what what, what is her main concern it's, it sounds by the tone of the letter that she's more disgusted by her roommate's uh value system and her ethics or her morality you know like for instance if, if the, the person who's writing a letter is a Christian then how could someone live like this live like this you right. know so um, you know, and uh, she may just want to go ahead and move out. Um, that may be the, her best course of action, so she doesn't have to. Because you got options. You're an adult. You can. You don't have to surround yourself with certain people. You know, so she can. Uh, she may choose to, uh, to move out, and that may be her best course of actions. So she doesn't have to manage the brothel. <laughs> but okay. number one, she needs to communicate with her. Right. Quickly, about yeah, it. I was I would confront her, but but do it in a way to where she's not she doesn't come across disgusted like ugh like why you got all these men up in here or yeah. judge, yeah. Yeah, exactly judgmental, you don't yeah. don't come across judgmental mm-hmm. because yeah. once you do that and with with within all conversations when you start it out harshly about ninety six percent of the time is going to end harshly Shut down. so so she needs to do what's called a soft startup so ask some questions ask some open ended questions and be very understanding about you know where your roommates at okay I know we're running a little short on time so we got this last one. Um, Dear Help Show, I've been married for five years and I think I'm having orgasm issues with my husband. It seems the only time that I have an orgasm is when we have sex in weird places like in public, restaurants, parks, bathrooms, etc. In the car, in the movies. When we are in the comfort of our own home, it seems like I just can't have an orgasm. We have received many tickets for lewd behavior acts. 
please ask your therapist, All right. what can my husband and I do for me to have the same great orgasm that I have outside the house, inside the house? Sincerely, B. Okay, well, a couple of things. Um, at the end of the day, there's, a, there's an external component or there's something that is introduced in that environment that heightens her arousal level to where she's having an orgasm outside the house. Okay. For instance, let's say the call, or let's say she, uh, she has kids. Okay. But because for women, your minds work differently than men. Okay. You know, that's I like, for sure. I, I, I like <laughs> you it. don't have to look yeah. that up, <laughs> right? So I, I liken it to like men. Our minds work kind of like dirt country roads. You know, we can focus on one thing at a time. You know, you give a boy a, a basketball and he can stay entertained all day. But for women, your minds never shut off. Hmm. And a woman can ask a man, "Hey, what are you thinking about?" And the guy will say, "Oh, nothing." And we actually mean nothing. And <laughs> the woman is like, "How do you not think of anything?" You know, and so women that even go on vacations, a lot of times they report having better sex because they're away from the kids, right. they're away from their job, they're right. away from all these responsibilities, and so they can just focus in on the pleasure act itself. Okay. And so for that woman, um, whenever she's going out to these different places, something about it, you know, and some again, you have adrenaline that's going, risk factor, you know, right? risk factor, yeah. you know, it's, it's maybe heightening the arousal for her, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of that. Uh, is it vo- it's not voyeurism, or is no, it? Voyeurism no, is look, yeah, yeah it's voyeurism is looking. You know, like it's kind of like a. a well, where where you want to be seen, uh, right. possibly be seen. You got you. Well, voyeurism is kind of like a pervert is yeah. going, you know, peeping in people's windows. Yeah. I mean, the reverse like that. of that, where you uh-huh. want somebody to possibly watch you or well, be seen. Uh-huh. There's well, something the fact, the fact that, that the fact that you are risking being seen. Um, again, is heightened arousal. Well, I would say it's heightened arousal. It's mm-hmm. your, the adrenaline is pumping, though. Right. Okay. And so because of that adrenaline and the other chemicals kind of going on with the norepinephrine and dopamine especially, right. for her, that may be something that is uh, that, that is arousing. And so, uh, but again, everybody's different. If she's, again, if she's training herself to only have orgasms outside, <laughs> then, she, again, that whole, you know, fires and wires, that whole dog trail analogy that I gave, that may be, that may be what's going on for her. So can she safely immolate it within the home? Um, if so, how? That if so, how? Um, that's going to be something for Windows her. open, Windows possibly, okay. with, yeah. that aren't facing the neighbor's, <laughs> you know, children's know. bedroom. I don't know, man. You know, maybe right? Maybe videotaping or something. Maybe, I don't, I don't know, know. yeah. So, but, uh, so, but she's going to have to do the work to try to uncover what about that specific environment gives right. her an orgasm. What's that trigger? Right. And then once she uncovers the trigger, then she can introduce the trigger wherever she needs it. You okay. know, uh, I mean, because I've, I've heard of people having sex, you know, of course, you know, people may be choked. I say, of course, because it's normal to me. But, <laughs> of course uh, she wants uh, to be choked. Uh, choke yeah, me. <laughs> she wants to be choked. Or, I mean, you know that's normal. Here's, <laughs> you know, here's, a, here's a crazy sex story right here. I haven't told you guys this. So it was, uh, you know, a guy, uh, the question was, what's the most dangerous sex you've ever had? And Ooh. the guy actually held, he was uh, with the woman. They okay. were doing it from the back, doggy style. Okay. And he held a loaded gun <gasps> up to her head. Oh, no. And that's what got the guy off. <gasps> Literally, oh, you know, he's crazy. So, but you know, but you know, but they were both he needs willing help. to participate. I don't know if the safety was on or what. Yeah. But you know, people again, this stuff gets really deep. You yeah. know, and you know, people get off. That to me. People get off to different things. Yeah. You know, a sadist gets off to inflicting pain on somebody. Okay. You know, a masochist. There's a movie called Eight Millimeter. Old movie with Nicholas yeah. Cage. Yeah. It's like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, and that. you know, I get turned on whenever I whenever I use a whip or whenever I cut you or right. whenever I burn you or well, whenever. Depends on how hard you use the whip. Yeah, but yeah. Not pain, Everybody, but everybody's different. Everybody's crack, crack. Oh, you do the crack at night? Is that what you're saying? She's in laying the whip. She's cracking it. She got the motion going. Lasso, right? Okay. She does the using. Yeah. So yeah. 
Yeah, and a masochist gets off on having pain inflicted upon them. So, right. um, you know, uh, once I get cut, I get turned on. Once right. I get burned, I turn on. Or different types of stimulation, like that's stimulating to them. So, mm. um, yeah, so people have different types of things that turn them on. And a lot of this stuff is progressive, um, especially with addiction. So, um, but for this specific um, person that wrote in, um, I would say figure out the trigger. And then she can kind of go from there. You, she may want to. Uh, work with a, a licensed sex therapist or a counselor to kind of figure that out too. So, all right, Bon, I want to say thank you so so much. Um, this is was such a great interview. How can people? Um, how can people contact you? Well, um, I work in two different offices. You can contact me at V. There's V as in Victor. Then my last name Eaglin E A G L I N, and that's at We Fix Brains. That's with an S. Or you can contact me at my other um, office, which is uh, Vaughn, V-O-N, and that's at Preston uh, Place Counseling. So P-R-E-S-T-O-N, place, and counseling, and .com. So either one of those email addresses should work. Or you can look me up on Psychology Today. Just type in Vaughn Eaglin, and I should pop up somewhere. That's how I found him. (laughs) So Psychology Today. Um, Some of my specialties. Published. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Some of my specialties include, uh, so I'm an expert and with a couple relationships. Um, I do a lot of uh, work with men and masculinity, um, a lot of cultural identity as well. Um, I also uh, work with anger management is- extensively, and adolescence is uh, one of my uh, one of my go tos as well. So I, I thought um, it was yeah. really cool too. This office I had to exit off Lovers Lane. I was like, this is so how cool. Or at least for <laughs> so, me, I was coming up seventy five. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah I exit yeah, Lovers Lane. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's your sign right there. Good deal. Good deal. Well, we're closing off. And want to say thank you again. I, um, David and I are extremely, extremely Do you have computer problems? Is your computer running slow? Did you forget your passcode? Okay. Is it running slow because you've been downloading inappropriate things? <laughs> okay, I'm raising my hand. I've done it before. <laughs> Call Half Price Geeks. That's one eight seven 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 geeks And tell them the Help Show sent you. Hey, what's good? It's DJ ASAP, and you're listening to The Help Show. Hello, and welcome back. Thank you for tuning in for our sixth episode for our February 4th part series, Baby Got Back, Is It Love or Lust? Today, we have our celebrity worldwide business mogul, brand ambassador with Hype Magazine, and BT's 106 and Park, the list goes on. Introducing DJ ASAP. He stopped by the Help Show to talk about his opinion about love and lust in the entertainment industry and how it alters your view on what love and lust is. Hi, this is Nayetta with the Help Show, and I am with this amazing DJ. He's everything, guys. He's everything. I'm with DJ ASAP. Thank you, you thank you, thank you so much for interviewing with the Help Show, um, spreading awareness. Um, He's helping spread awareness about, you know, is it love or lust? Baby got back, you know. Um, So, DJ ASAP, I'm I'm going to get right into it. First of all, thank you for having me. I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm glad I got a chance to sit down with you and everything. So it's cool. Not everybody wants to talk to me. I guess I'm not that interesting like that. Oh, you are. I appreciate you. You know doing the interview. They don't even know. <laughs> DJ ASAP, how long have you been a DJ and how long have you like, you know, been in this industry? Oh man, I've been DJing now uh, for about eight, nine years, I'd say. Probably like nine years. 
close to ten. Close I, to I, I lose track. I lose oh, track. Oh wow! Uh, but it's it's been a, a fast ride, man, from from where I started to where I'm at now. So I try not to count the years. <laughs> <laughs> and what inspired you to pursue this career? Um, for me, it was always I just had a natural love for music. Uh, it's always something that just like really touched my soul, like something that I just couldn't like get away from. You know, it was like uh, something that kept pulling on me and. Uh, uh, I remember, like, you know, just growing up with my grandmother, always listening to music. My mom listened to music, R&B music, old school jazz, stuff like that. So it's always been, like, something that's always just been around me. And uh, when I started really listening to music, I got into it. And we, me and my homeboy Brandon was talking about it earlier today. It was like I heard uh, Michael Watts, uh, Michael Watts 5000, Michael 5000 Watts mixtape. And it was like, how is he screwing this music? Huh. And I was like, I don't know, but I feel like I can do that. Huh. And you know it it uh, it made me go buy the equipment and you know I I taught myself everything I know right now oh, wow. and uh, Brandon was like ah oh, man you stupid you're not gonna yeah what, what are you gonna do <laughs> what are you gonna do be a house DJ like a like a Kinsinetta DJ or something like that what you gonna do man and I'm like nah I'm gonna be the biggest DJ I could possibly be so you know it, you know I told him I wanted to be the biggest DJ in Dallas and I kind of feel like I did that okay yeah. so you being the biggest DJ that you can be with this career do you look at love and lust very differently oh very differently very differently I, I didn't been there done that <laughs> and, and the reason I ask that because you being you know you hanging with celebrities mm. um you know you probably have what they call I'm sorry girls but the groupies and you know <laughs> they and, do exist, they do <laughs> exist. <laughs> and it, it does make make you look at love differently how do you look at it differently mm. and when did you start looking at it differently yeah um I started looking at it differently I guess maybe when I was on the wrong side of it you what's know, the wrong side the wrong of side it? of love like the the person that's like you with the wrong person you know and hmm. maybe uh you figure out what you don't like after you with them for so long, and then you know it kind of be like you know what this is not something to play with. If I, if I'm gonna do this love thing, it's, it's got to be something for real. It's got to be something that you really put your everything into. So I realized that from that person or that feeling I was getting wasn't the feeling that I personally needed. So I you know I know that was the only reason I stayed in that situation because it was lust. Huh. And how and do I you? What, I saw what lust got me. Okay, so so where did lust get you, and how do you identify lust, mm. and how, what were you doing with the lust? Was you just like popping bottles and getting your prank on? <laughs> you know I mean, just, I mean, lust, <laughs> lust. The thing about lust is funny. Lust to have you broke. Ooh, mm, <laughs> let me have a drink of that. Let me take a sip of my drink. Lust, lust to have you broke. Lust to have you trying to compete. Lust to have you trying to, you know, win somebody over. Lust to have you like doing stuff you really have no business doing in the first place. Okay, so what's yeah. what's out of your character? Like, what's your, I, I have to know because I'm trying to identify this now. <laughs> I mean, for lust, lust is like for, for a woman, like you know what women consider lust, like they might go crazy over. Some women can't handle the rejection after they lusting for someone for so long, you know. Or I mean, when you finally get it and it's not the way you want to get it. You know, then you, you women tend to go crazy a little well, bit. Well, it depends what kind of woman you're dealing yeah, with. Because sometimes you true. can get and you can handle well, it. Well, not, not, not necessarily yeah. crazy. Yeah. Crazy can be anything. Crazy is just you doing something normal that you used to doing. Like, you know, hiding <laughs> bushes, yeah, you know, yeah. with a flashlight <laughs> right. in the daytime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. See, you you know, you, you, you sound know, like you come from a crazy you place. Know, you know, <laughs> find me in the trunk. Like, well, you know, where are you at? What's going on? <laughs> 
So you know, you obviously know what I'm talking and about. And so. I, you know, I really, I don't really okay, know. Okay, so you ain't never seen, like you know, key nobody's car, nothing like that. But that's that. when I was like 18. See, don't even exactly. judge me. That was, that was like, I'm old now, honey. That was when I was in my teens, uh-huh. honey. You that was lusting. Even, you was lusting. You didn't know what love was. Ooh, let me get another drink. You gonna bring back a memory? Okay, so. Um, so today is Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Do you celebrate it? Yes, yes, I do. And how I do you do. celebrate it? And do you celebrate with a special young lady? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I celebrate it. I celebrate. I am in a relationship right now. This so, is good. Um, you know, I I'm with someone I really care about, somebody I really trust, and someone like that's like my best friend. So, Aww. you know, it's like we we celebrate, we talk, and uh, you know, even even today. Well, today she's not here. She's actually a flight attendant now, so she. She travels. Okay. So today okay. We, we spent Valentine's Day yesterday. Oh, I was gonna <laughs> ask you, were you ready for love? But it seems like, um, Mr. ASAP, <laughs> it's ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, 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 you know, it's I'm still dealing with stuff. You know, I'm trying to get there and trying to, you know. So you know, I'm, I'm. It's a, it's a progress. It's progress. Did you start? Okay, so this is low in your business, not too much. Okay. So, but did you start with lust when you dated this young lady? Did you start with lust that and I'm with then? Now? Yeah. Mm, probably so. Okay. Yeah. So you started into lust mm-hmm. and it turned into love. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. It can change. It can change. So with you starting with lust, how and it went into love, mm-hmm. how did you identify that it was love? Um, I think that when you look at like someone as a person, like who they really are, when you start to like get past all the the, the big booty and uh, and the looks and the, uh, you know, just uh, what you are usually originally attracted to them for, I think. But you start getting past that and start, like, finding out what a person's mentality is mm-hmm. and how they are as a person, I feel like you start to, could eventually start to love that person. You know, that, that turns into love, especially if that person's, like, got a good soul, a good, is a good, genuine person, and that, if that person makes you better. Right. So... So let's look. Okay, let's let's not fast forward. Let's go back. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I mean go back, what did you think about lust, and what perspective did you have about mm-hmm. it? But what did you prefer one over? Did you prefer one over the other before mm-hmm. you felt yeah, before you yeah, became in love? Definitely, so definitely. like, we're I'm gonna forward okay. back before you yes. met. You know, Miss High. I'm gonna call her Miss Beautiful before you <laughs> met Miss Beautiful. And so when you were in these relationships, what was your preference? Gotcha. Well, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, going back, yeah, I think I definitely was, I tried love, mm-hmm. and then it didn't work out the way I wanted to work out. <laughs> so, was you bitter? I'm going to show you. Yeah, no, was you bitter? I was a little bitter. bitter. I was like, you know what, man? F*** these and I'm going to go out, and I'm just going to do me, and that's what all every guy says, man, you know, F them, I'm going to go do me. I'm going to go do me, and that's right. what I was on. You know, I, I was on, like. Hey, man, I ain't looking for nothing. I'm just out here. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to, this is kind of on the edge right here. I'm just going to tell you now. <laughs> what, when it comes to sex, do you think you have mastered it? Yes, I do. Uh, you know, he's, that's pretty, that's, some, yes, that's confident. Yes, I do. Are you, are you popping collars uh, over here? Uh, I'm just trying to know. If I had collars, I'd pop them. You ain't popping any collars over here. <laughs> 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 and, and what make, what makes you, what makes seem like you have mastered it? How how is DJ ASAP? How how you master the sex? Like, hey, if I told you all my secrets, then they wouldn't be my secrets, hmm. and then everybody listening would try to go do what I do. <laughs> See what I'm saying? So I, uh, 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 you know, a real man never kisses and tells. I think that relationships that have worked out in the past 
for personally myself has been a mental you know because after the end of the day yeah he's sexy yeah he's he can do this and he can do that but once he he he's mentally has me he he has me mm-hmm, yeah. so but i think that comes with age too yeah it does 10 years before prior to now you probably want you probably want the man you are today oh no not at all not at all i was totally different i wasn't thinking the way i was thinking at that point in time like if i would have known what i knew now man i'd be so far gone from whatever I'm doing right now, just because I've learned so much and I take every experience I go through, I take it and I take what I need to take from it and I learn and I grow from it. So tell me about, okay, tell me about the 18 year old ASAP. I'm curious Ooh, about your look. Just man, come on, we, give me, man, I want to know man, about the- My homeboy Brandon was just mm-hmm. talking about this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have him come, come in come, right I, Yeah, I want to know about the 18 year old Yeah, the 18 year old I want to know about the 18 year old ASAP. it wasn't just me, we were a team. Cause I'm curious about that. I want to know about the 18 year old DJ ASAP and how, he was, and if you've been knowing him as long as you say you've been knowing him, I want to know, like, how was, when you saw him in love, what did he been like? How was he acting? Was he out here wilding? Was he out here with the flash? This the flashlight right here in the bushes. Now, remember, don't say anything incriminating, okay? <laughs> you, said, you said 18, right? Yeah, 18. 18. 18. Yeah. 18 was an interesting time. Uh, me and him had an apartment. It was a senior year in high school. <laughs> and uh yeah a nice apartment at that yeah it was laid it was laid we had Two big screens rooms, big screens everything like even we had the fog waterfall with some mist machine <laughs> and I was like you turn the light on a little blue light oh man yeah, yeah. I had to change the water so gnats don't get around <laughs> it was it was lit man so you know he had an interesting way of going about love. He was dating this one girl. She was beautiful. For the time period, this had to be like one of the baddest chicks. Like Holly Berry beautiful? No, nah, she was bad. She was she was she was tough. She kinda like SpongeBob now that I think about it. <laughs> Everybody loves SpongeBob. She was so cute. That's the thing about it. Like you you never they never look like what they used to look like when they grow up. Hey, she was she was bad. Sometimes sometimes they take a turn for the worse. See, and, and <laughs> I, I can't really hate, listen, I can't really talk outside the box because like I wasn't supposed to be doing this, but I did. And I was dating her like not so attractive friend uh, who was not as attractive at the time. So I can't really say anything. But anyway, so he was dating this girl. We were about 18 years old or what have you. And uh, I'm a straight dog with it back then. man. I was like the worst <laughs> MFing ass you could be. And because my dad was like, in the game, so I have some real bad examples. But you know, but you know, she yeah, it's the truth though. So you know, I, I, I know what y'all just stepped into. I, 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 you know, I have a brother, Sap, man. It's like my brother, man. Like at one point, man, we 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 had it tough so bad, man. We we had to sleep in the car, man, because we had nowhere to go. Oh wow, man, it's just a different situation. Just the same problems though. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I mean, it's it's, it's generational. It's awful. But him in love at 18 was interesting because I think he was still trying to figure out, like, was he still into this light skin thing? Or was he like, you know, did he want to go full, new, you know? You know, he didn't know what he wanted to do. Do you like him thick? Do you like him athletic? And at that point, they were real thin. And he, uh, yeah, he, he, he did her pretty bad. So uh, <laughs> what was so interesting about the encounter is he started doing something, man. Because, you know, we... High school, there was females, obviously. Right. Uh, we, we used to have like uh, this game called Get Crunk Dare. I will not name who was involved in that, <laughs> but okay. let's just say their life was forever changed. Uh, and that was high school. <laughs> so, I, I, mean, so, so. I, I mean, I think 
what are you trying to say is that I've definitely changed? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's night and day. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, this dude is crazy. Uh, but him at that time, man, uh, it was so funny because every time he'd get with a chick, and I knew he was getting it because he'd be playing Little John. And <laughs> Little John was the little, little John, like the East Side the, Boys, the and it'd be like the most ratchet, disrespectful. <laughs> Okay, so was it a difference if he had like a girl he really liked? Would he? It's only. It would be even John? more ratchet. Like oh he God. saved the real good like, ones for the like for the ones time. he really liked. That was the hottest music out of okay, the time. Okay, okay, okay. Like, 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 I'm going. Back but come on, time. man. There's a lot to <laughs> yeah. choose from, bro. You had. I mean, you was an R&B head at heart. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of love songs you could get that on yeah, too. But, Not but, like skeet on the wall and beat, beat, beat. Like damn, bro. Hell, even put on B2K, man. That was a little softer yeah, than that. that was too soft for me at the time. Well, man. yeah, you was thugged out <laughs> on the on the sex team, man. But uh, no, nah, he girls always I talked to didn't like the slow stuff. No, they did. They did not. Oh my god, no, they didn't. So when did he? Okay, so so let's. Okay, so eighteen, he was playing skeet, skeet, skeet. Okay, everywhere. And he's playing everywhere. Playing jungle on, juice on the wall, everybody. Onto into the square <laughs> drop down his calls. Okay, yeah. he did that. So when did the music change? When did like it seem like cause all this music right here seems like lust? So when did the music seem like a little bit more like of love? I think I think uh, I think music, my music correlated with my feelings at the time, like how I viewed lust and love. So like as I was young, I was more into like the crunk music, more into like the hardcore rap and Jeezy and Ludacris and stuff like that. But then I always. Oh yeah. Disrespectful <laughs> music. Disrespectful music, but then you know, I I grew up like listening to my room, like singing and like being in the choir, and I was you know always been in music some way, but more so like on the R and B note. So like Brian McKnight. Yeah, Brian McKnight, um, uh, Drew Hill. Dave Hollister, uh, you talking about like SWV, like Babyface, that's, that's uh, Boys the Men, oh, wow. Jagged Edge. Like I was, I grew up on on, on them. Mm -hmm. and Real quick, he won the middle school competition <laughs> by singing Casey and JoJo all my life. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Eighth grade, that happened. I forgot about that one, man. Okay. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it was Casey and JoJo all my life. It I, was definitely I, that. I, it, was definitely <laughs> it, it was a Casey and JoJo song, though. I do remember. I'm not. I knew my thing was not gonna be like I'm gonna be R&B singer. That's not me. I'm not about to get out here and dance and and you know wear oil up and take you know that, take, take my shirt off and shit. No, that's that's not gonna be me. But I mean, but that's all. That but that was always the the perception of the R&B guy huh. at the time. You know, it was like. You got to be like B2K or Marion or like. So what I'm kind of hearing is that you always had a place of love, mm -hmm, and, yeah. and but you have brought that lust. It was kind of like it pushed you to that, yeah. like you being like a hopeless romantic kind of mm -hmm. guy, and you always believed in love. That this sounds like, but mm -hmm. then these groupies had turned you out, yeah. and oh, this yeah. what happened. That's what this I, is. I don't what know if they hearing. turned me. I think I turned a couple of them out too. <laughs> Uh, but uh, you know, definitely. <laughs> you can see this guy over here. He's like, "This is a pillow vault." <laughs> Take the devil say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've definitely done my share of of uh, lusting. Oh wow! Definitely done my share of lusting. I'm not even gonna say it. Like I, I know that. And you, for those out there that know me, y'all, y'all know. Okay. And if you can <laughs> take it back, would you? And take if it I could take it back, no, because this is good. Yeah, if I could take it back, no, because I had to learn from each experience. I'm a very, like, I learn from experience, not from someone 
telling me. I have to go. I'm the type of person I got to go and find it out myself. I got to go read for myself. Like you can't just tell me that this is what this says and I'm supposed to believe you. Like I, I'm always been the type of person I got to go find it out. So. This, is, this is good. So he's been on both um, both ends mm-hmm. of you know lust. Mm-hmm. He, he started with love, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then you kind of wandered into lust, mm-hmm. but then is moving back into love because you know he found a, a young, pretty young young lady. Yeah. Yeah. So the question I have with that: What advice can you give to these young men about dating, and should they consider lusting and playing the field a little bit? You know. Or should they go with their hearts? Or like, what would you? What would be your advice? Like, DJ ASAP. So I'm ASAP, Mr. Love. Uh, no, nah, for me, um, I think as far as advice on dating, as far as giving men advice on dating, I would say, don't let anybody try to tell you what you're gonna do. Like, nobody's gonna change you. If you get with somebody that all they focus is is trying to change you and you're not enough or whatever it may be, then that's not the person for you. So if that's lust, then keep on lusting until you find that person. Keep on lusting until until that person comes along. Yeah, I mean, be careful when you lust. (laughs) Be safe when you lust. Okay. Uh, But be smart when you lust. Don't just lust with anything. Right. But, you know, like... Every person you come in contact with is not going to be your wife. They're not going to be your wife. They're not set up that way. And, and I'm glad that you said that because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's same verse, it's vice mm-hmm. versa over here with women. Mm-hmm. Every man that you come encounter with, he's not going to be your husband. Yeah. He's, he's not, he's not going to always be the one. Yeah. Um, I, I really appreciate that you, you said that because it's good to hear that from a man's mm-hmm. mouth. Yeah. You know, because with women, yeah. we love a little bit different right. than, than men. Right. And we come in sometime into the picture like, girl, he had bought me this. That don't mean mm, nothing. That don't mean nothing. That girl don't mean Man, nothing. Man, I, I done bought plenty of purses, uh, shoes. Why you going to put that out there? They're going to uh, be trying to harass you. Uh, nah, <laughs> I done bought plenty of that. And, uh, I mean, that didn't get me anywhere. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, so. But the question, do you, do you think that, what age do you think they should stop lusting at? Like, should they be like? Everybody's different. Everybody's different. We have to try love. Love is something that everyone deserves to have. Uh, love is the gift to yourself. How many times should they try it? They should try it as many times as it takes. I like there's, this. There's this no, is good. There's no number. There's no set amount of time. I hear girls like, oh, you know, I've only been with like three guys. And everything, or two guys, and I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> one is twenty-two yeah, minutes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so who cares? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I hear. Then I hear people. You know, you got the girls that's been with more, and they still looking for love. They still haven't found that one guy that just makes them be like, you know what? I want to change my life. So I have a question. This mm-hmm. is good. So you know, I'm always browsing the internet mm-hmm. and um, Instagram and Facebook and all these other different mm-hmm. social medias. What do you think? Because this is kind of like off topic a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's not. Um, you have the Melissa Fords mm-hmm. that are just drop dead gorgeous, mm-hmm. but you see pictures with them alone. Yeah. What do you? Yeah. What's? Why is that? Because um, you're, you're like you're with, in the in, you're in yeah, the industry, yeah. so I'm just a, a lot of times you see women like that alone because um, it just not. I'm not even gonna say women like that, but just even just women. That are on social media. She real fine. She's real, real fine. She's real, real fine, and she's you know, but she's known for showcasing her body, or right. she's known. And sometimes you know, if that's how you get your money, cool. That's how you get your money. Right. But some people are just out here posting 
titty pictures on on Instagram, not making no money from it, not getting no type of no coins, no coins, no type of establishment. You're not building no businesses off your titties. <laughs> like now, if you're a stripper and that's what you sell, that's what you sell. Okay. You, your Instagram is pure, pure, you know, entertainment, right? And and you know, for profit. <laughs> okay, so that's pretty much just all lust. Yeah, that's. I think that's. I think that's all us. But some. I'm, I won't say all strippers, but I'm saying like if that's what you do, and if that's what you you are into showing your body online, then that's what you do. But um, I think that once you're once your cast in society puts you in like a box, like I'm. If I'm if I'm out doing those things, then I want attention, which you probably do want attention. Some type of attention, but you're not getting the right attention. Meaning, there's no man in your life saying that, "Hey, why are you doing this? Why are you why are you still putting your body up? And you ain't making no money off of it." Now, if you make money off of it, we both, you know, profiting, profiting. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, cool. Let's let's mm-hmm. go ahead and do it. But you know, but I think like for them, they're probably hard to deal with. Women like that are probably hard to deal with. They expect a lot from men, mm-hmm. you know, and um, happy Valentine's to them. Yeah, happy Valentine's Day <laughs> to y'all too, man. Y'all need love too. Hey, I love y'all, man. I'm going to go like all y'all pictures, though. I'm going to like all of them. I'm going to like all of them. I'm going to shoot. I might slide in your DMs, send you a little winky face, too. That don't mean I like you. That just mean I'm flirting, but I'm just seeing if I still got it. But, uh... <laughs> See, that's their lust kicking yeah, back. That's yeah. their lust Because you, you fight with it. You know, you fight yeah. with... Even when you're in love, you still going to lust your human. Like, you're human. Like, right. you can't get mad at someone for lusting after what they see and what they like because that's just who they are. Hmm. So, if people want to find, like, DM you, slide in your mm-hmm. DM, or listen to your, you know, your mixtapes, mm-hmm. where would they, where would they go? Like, what social media outlet? Yeah, would they, they go, go to, to Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, DJ ASAP underscore YMG. Uh, Twitter, DJ ASAP on that one, and then Snapchat for sure, DJ ASAP underscore YMG. So yeah, that's where they go. Yeah. A quick question: What yeah. else you got going on? So everybody can, you know, f- oh. follow you. I'm like, hey, I'm Man, promoting. Man, I have, I have a lot going on. I have a lot going on. And what keeps me not lusting is that I'm so busy. I think that's hmm. also a thing that keeps me not from lusting. Like if I, I got a lot going on as far as like my mogul behavior brand. Okay. Uh, I'm, I started a lifestyle brand called Mogul Behavior. You probably see me talk about it. I see, I me see you wearing it. Yeah, yeah, wearing yeah. yeah. I got my own I'm waiting for my hat and yeah, my yeah, t-shirt. Yeah, we, we, we got a lot. We got a lot coming. We got a lot coming with the the brand Mogul Behavior, and that's just like I said, a lifestyle brand. We're doing clothes, mm-hmm. um, but it's more driven towards the young black or urban entrepreneur it's okay. it's driven towards the people that are not working a regular job but they're still trying to get it you can't not that hustle you know what i'm saying right. the hustle of that is is someone that has to be amazing like really have determination right. uh to go off and be a, a business owner or entrepreneur or step outside from the box from working in the regular nine to five huh. um so that's where <clears throat> mogul behavior comes in and those people that take that chance every day are moguls Huh. They're moguls, you know, and uh, that's what I represent. And, you know, that's with Mogul Behavior. We're going to be doing seminars, uh, different mixing suites. We actually have our Mogul Behavior launch coming March 17th. Okay. So that's when the website will launch. And oh. then the So the help show is invited, right? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So we, we got <laughs> y'all a. Y'all heard that. Y'all heard that. <laughs> we got an actual launch of Mogul Behavior March 17th okay. uh, online. And then the actual, we're doing a Mogul Behavior suite uh, okay. hosted by. Um, Draymond John from the Shark Tank. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So we're renting out a mansion. We're doing stuff totally different from everybody else. We're just okay. doing cool events and, you know, pop-up shops, okay. different places. Uh, I have a real special um, 
he's gonna be one of my my, my key spokespeople for the brand. And also, I'm working with a lot of uh, big models to to really get behind the brand as well. So. Oh wow! Yeah. This I'm honored. Thank I'm, you. I'm Thank so you. honored that Thank he's you. sitting at this table. Yeah. Talking about yeah. sex. Love and lust, baby got back. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Um, again, DJ ASAP. And then not only that, we got mogul behavior, but then we also have the brand new Earth Water. So oh, yeah, water too? Yeah, so I'm going to have, so I'm have yeah. like apparel. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> so I'm going to have apparel. I'm going to yeah. have water. Mm-hmm. What does he got? Yeah, yeah. So it's a brand new Earth Water. It's actually the healthiest water in the world. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 75, it's actually 70 different minerals in the actual water. Oh, and wow. it's the healthiest water in the world because it's 9.5 pH. Oh, so, wow. So, yeah, so. We're doing. We're getting breaking into the health area, sports, and everything. Man, you're amazing. Thank you. He's thank amazing. You. Wow. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you so so much. I'm beyond grateful, and I want to say thank you and thanks for joining thank the health you. show. Thank you for having me. For more information, you can visit us on our website at thehelpshow.com. Thank you for listening, and please stay tuned.